by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. We're going straight to the two-guest view because, hey, Mark Dumas is here. He's my co-host on Game Over Montreal. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I am Andrew Berkshire. The Leafs bottled it. It was extremely hilarious. Let's be honest. I tweeted it out before the game. You know, no Caulfield, 10 guys out of the lineup. It would be hilarious if the Leafs lost this one. They managed to lose this one. Credit to the Montreal Canadiens for sticking with it 100%, but I feel like we really have to hand it to the Toronto Maple Leafs because uh, they like to hand it to everybody else. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff to talk about in this one, obviously. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Cole Caulfield being out. We're going to talk about how great Sam Montembeau has been lately. Harvey Pennard gets his second NHL goal first of the season, which is a fantastic story. And, you know, Rem Pitlick uh, lighting it up last couple games here that's that's a fun story as well for for a guy who everything went wrong at the beginning of the season for him but i'll also i think mark and i'll probably touch on the whole sb nation vox media bs that's gone on the last little while here because how can we not how can we not we were a big part of uh habs eyes in the prize and we're sad to see that go but before we get too deep into it you think you know the way it's gonna go make your bet with sports interaction i made one today after the Leafs went up 2 nothing, I put $5 on the Montreal Canadiens to win. I haven't checked how much I won yet, but uh, pretty happy about that one. That's, that's I was just like, bet. yeah, I was like, it's 5 bucks. <laughs> I'm going to lose 5 bucks." And you're I betting not... on the Leafs collapsing. <laughs> like, that's just a, you know, it's like betting on a volcano erupting. It's going to happen eventually. Exactly, right? And, you know, that's extremely fun. But whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Uh, unfortunately, the one that I keep on throwing out there of Cole, Cole Caulfield scoring 50 goals isn't going to happen this year. and uh, We'll have to wait for next year for that one. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, Mark. Uh, I expected tonight to be one of the most miserable games to watch yeah. after the Canadians lost Cole Coffin. Oh, and yeah. like, there are going to be some miserable ones down the stretch. The first period was miserable. Yeah. But man, I don't know what Martin St. Louis said in the first intermission. But that was I, a great I think, and I, I mean, listen, if you watch that Val Rocket, you're going to see Hervé Pinal do this like on the regular. You're going to see even Rem Pitlick, since he's gone down to the Laval Rocket, has been, I mean, he's over a point per game, right? Like he's proven everything he can to be back in the NHL. And obviously, Alex Bezil, you're always going to get an honest effort for him. So I really think from that first shift, Andrew, they were probably the only line that got a chance in the first period. And uh, I really think the Laval Rocket guys led by example tonight. Like that, that it was there. It, it was it was ugly. It was like bouncing all over. But that's what you do in the AHL, and, and it worked here. They outworked the Leafs, and that's uh, pretty good for Montreal's uh, seventh line. I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I feel like you know Pizzetta did some good things tonight, but I wonder if Yulonen was on or Yulonen or oh. Yulonen. Yeah, Yulonen. Yeah. I I'm just I struggle with that one. But uh, if he was on that line instead of Pizzetta, I feel like that line might have scored like two or three goals tonight. They just they were working oh, yeah. their asses off. Harvey yeah. Pernard and Belzil, I loved Belzil tonight. I, I think big, I remember I'm, he... I'm always a big Alex Belzil fan. But did you see? Okay, look, you can tell when hard work starts to trump talent in certain situations. You know that when he set up Pizzetta for that goal mouth chance that, that Pizzetta kind of sailed. 
twice he was a little out of position and he maybe wasn't ready to anticipate but he outworked the Leafs and twice you know he got a loose puck and, and I mean that's just what you have to do to make it in the NHL um I think it's a really good sign that some of these guys are, are doing well and it takes a little bit of pressure off Nick Suzuki who was great tonight I mean I, I we can't take credit all the credit towards the young guys but uh, I think really this was this was the Laval Rocket kind of statement game tonight it was 100%. And, you know, I, I liked, I find Belzile, when he first got called up, like the first time in the Canadian, I believe it was in the playoffs in 2020. I thought he was really good. Yeah, because he only played in Toronto. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Toronto? It was the bubble year where he played. Yeah, I remember that from uh Well, they didn't like play Toronto in the bubble year. That was the following year. So in it Toronto? must have been either Pittsburgh or, or Philly. Those are the two teams they played in the playoffs that year. Okay. But I remember his first call up and like you and I were talking because you were a big uh, proponent of his and uh, yeah. as a guy who deserved a shot, who's really gutted it out. Because his story is amazing, by the way, before we get into it, like this guy was getting benched in the ECHL. Okay. Just to give you an idea, after a concussion, he came back and he was doing well. Uh, he actually played for the Habs affiliate back in the day. And imagine that you go from being like a a guy on, on, on the rise to being scratched by the was it the Kalamazoo or it, anyways, like the list of teams that he went through was pretty, it's just, it's, it's like a better David Dernet story. Yeah, for sure. And he was, I feel like everything that he did in that first call up, it was like very precise. Like yeah. he just didn't make very many mistakes. He didn't create like amazing scoring chances all the time, but he's just mm-hmm. a guy that you seem like you could rely on for everything. And then he wasn't uh, out of place. That's yeah, what you and you, I expected him to be that same guy last year and he kind of struggled. When he, when he got his chance and uh, like in training camp, he just like seemed to be behind a lot of the prospects tonight. He was that guy. Yeah. No, he, he was that guy again. He, like the confidence is there. Got called up at the right time. I'm really happy that he's getting this chance. And uh, same with Harvey Pinard who worked his butt off tonight as well. And frankly, Pizzetta who. Yeah. I was going to see earlier. It was a little unfair throwing some daggers up. Okay. Yes. You didn't probably would have scored, but that Superman swap by Pizzetta. Hey man, that's good hockey right there. Like that is, yeah. you know, if, if that would have been a pass by any of the name guys in the NHL, that would have been all over the highlights. You know what I mean? Cause like he did a 100%. Superman swipe. So yeah, great, great effort by them. And, and I actually thought that um, Josh Anderson looked really good as well. We're eventually going to get back to that top line, but the top line, they got all played and they will get outplayed for the rest of the season. But I feel like they held the fort there and um, you know, that relief provided by the fourth line, is really what gave them a chance to get going. Now, before we jump right back into it, we have a thousand people in the chat right now, which is awesome. Um, as Scott's here. Scott, how's it going, buddy? And we have what, Locked On? Oh, yeah, the Locked On Habs. That's another uh, podcast friend of ours. Salut tout le monde. Bienvenue. If you have any questions, don't hesitate. Throw it in the chat. And our overlords want you to subscribe and like, or else, or else I don't get my free donuts. Actually, that's what happens. It's unfortunate, but I get cut off of free donuts. And you need to keep Mark supplied in free donuts. Not only is it bad for you, he's also like allergic to bread. So we, we got to keep Mark on death's door here. <laughs> it's, it's, I wouldn't call it an allergy. It's more of a, it makes my body react very horribly. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to qualify it. <laughs> but all the best foods are bread. I'm sorry. It's just, it's that science. So we can't, uh, you know, no, there, there, there will be, there will be lots of bread going forward. <laughs> <laughs> always more bread yeah you, you mentioned josh anderson and he very clearly loves to play the leafs or hates the yeah. leafs and they mentioned on the broadcast on uh hockey night in canada because it's hockey day in canada happy hockey day in canada everyone uh too bad that the vancouver canucks are gonna 
basically turf Bruce Boudreaux right after Hockey Day in Canada. But uh, we what a to... terrible. Sorry, I know that's not our topic, but that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I mean, the NHL has a long history of treating its employees horribly, you know, but that's like, that's embarrassing. Why? And if you're Rick Tockett or, well, I know why he's going, but if you're like a, a good coach ready to go, why would you want to join that organization? If you're a free agent, why would, oh man, what a mess. What a mess. It is a Vancouver. huge mess. But yeah. uh, back to Josh Anderson, 13 goals now, I believe, or was tonight his 14th goal. Might've been his 14th goal of the season. Yeah. Okay. So 14 goals yeah. in 45 games. I believe that's the best pace he's he's ever had. been on in yeah. Montreal. It's not quite the 27 goal pace he had in 2018-19 in Columbus, but <laughs> let's ignore his measly three assists because let's face it, nobody else in the Habs lineup. He's yeah, where he's, he's, he's playing, he's playing for the Cy Young this year. He's got a lot more wins than losses. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those situations where I feel like Anderson is playing great, mm-hmm. but he's one of those guys who is his own offense, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, obviously he wouldn't have scored tonight without Nick Suzuki and I believe Rem Pitlick on the... And Rem Pitlick, yeah, that was, second that was good anticipation. But yeah. uh, he's one of those guys, he just gets his goals, right? And that's what you can rely on him. I'm wondering now, while he's on a hot streak, if that makes him more valuable to other teams going forward, or if maybe the shine is wearing off a little, a little bit. And it seems to me, just from what I'm hearing around the league, that there's really no like drop in his value this year. Even when he started playing poorly, like, cause you know, he actually got off to a decent start, had a little down stretch. And then uh, it, this is the first game. He actually looked decent besides Suzuki. Cause he's played a few others, but uh, even during that drop, Actually, I think the interest kind of mounted because then teams were thinking maybe you can get him a little cheaper. But uh, right now, if you're a GM and you want a guy for the playoffs, you want a guy that can essentially do exactly what Josh Anderson can do. And I'm not saying it's it's the wisest approach, but that's how GMs think in the NHL. And, and we got to give him credit. Like he's on base for a very, very solid year. So the only thing I think that could hold him back at this point is how many years left in the contract. But with the cap not going up too, too much. Obviously, teams weren't, aren't going to bring on a ton of salary, but they will want to have, you know, um, controllable salary in the sense that like, okay, you know what you have going forward, you can build on that. It's kind of the same idea for Joel Edmondson, you know, next year, okay, yes, there's another year left, but at 3.5, we can we can include that in our, our cap structure. So I, I, I don't know. This is the one time I'm believing Ken Hughes when he says, I'm not sure I'm going to trade him. But um, I mean, if you're dangling anything close to a first round pick and more for Josh Anderson, you absolutely have to make that deal. Oh, I'm trading people again. eh? of course, right away. <laughs> also, I'm blaming that on you, Andrew. I didn't bring up the tra- trades uh, today, but no, absolutely. Him playing well is going to bring up his, uh, his value. And going back to what you said, Andrew tonight, he played with his line mates. That's what was great to see. Like he, did. he actually, instead of just doing the rush on his own, which reminds me a little of like Natalie Spooner when she played in the CWHL, she would just barrel to the net because she was so much better than her opponents. In this case, it's more of an anticipation thing. And I thought uh, Anderson looked really good uh, anticipating what Nick Suzuki is doing. And that's important because Suzuki is the smartest guy on the team, right? So that will probably get a few more bites on the um, on the trade market. Hey, and real quick, shout out. We got on the monde de here. Who's from? Oh, Sandis Ostris Apsis from Europe. Not bad. So that's just like me trying to watch Arsenal games that are late. I, I have to get up at like four in the morning. I'm guessing they're probably close to two or three in the morning over there. 
worth it for a Leafs for a Leafs for beating the Leafs. So if I'm being honest, no, 100, percent especially when you're this shorthanded, right? Like starting this game, and I, I have to say, Twitter hockey Twitter was a phenomenal joy tonight. I had I didn't, like, I didn't see much, but yeah, I know. Oh I know Leafs God. fans, it's amazing because like from one period to another, it's just the polar opposite. It's it, it's yeah, it's fun to see. Yeah, it was like I said one thing about uh, when. Uh, what's his face? Samsonov shook his uh, helmet off, and I was like, "Remember when Jake Allen did that and he got a penalty for it?" And oh, somebody really? else brought up that like Jake Ottinger did the same thing a couple games ago and got a penalty for it. At least I was like, "Oh, you can't be possibly complaining about the officiating in this game. They're handing it to you." And it's like, what well, game are you watching? Hey, you know what? I actually think that maybe in the first period there's a couple calls that they actually did miss on the Habs, but um... sure. Putting that putting the Habs in the power play is not an advantage, Toronto. I like, I know it seems like it would be an advantage. Also, speaking of this, someone's mentioning. Um, all right, by paper dolls taking le- leaving early. That's our our big Ghoulie fan. Anderson on the Leafs. Tankowski saying could picture Anderson on the Leafs, and I, I would picture Anderson as a guy that most Leafs, most people covering the Leafs would want to see there. You know, it would be like yeah. one of those homecoming stories. A little bird keeps whispering to me and has all season long that there's a big possibility for Josh Anderson in Calgary. And the trade yeah, would look something yeah. like Josh Anderson for Milan Lucic to make the cap work because he's an expiring contract, which oh. I know everybody wants to throw up in their mouths at the idea of Lucic wearing the CH, but... He's the only guy that ever blocked me on, on Twitter, by the way. I, really? I just want to point... Well, I, and also the guy who's wearing your hat, but yeah, and, and with, <laughs> with, with Lucic, um, I, I deserved it. I just want to put that out there. I... <laughs> You know, some people are like, I don't know why why you blocked them. No, I there are so many reasons why Milan Lucic blocked me. And uh, yeah, oh, hundred percent. I mean, we basically used Milan Lucic. While well, we'll we'll get into that later. But running EOTP, he was a hit machine, right? I remember the gift that we had practicing to spear guys in the nuts. God, that was so amazing. So much fun back in the day. But uh, we got a challenge here from Trizak. I, I will say, by the way, that trade that keeps on getting whispered in my ear is. Anderson for Lucic plus one of the Flames' top prospects like a Matt That's Coronado. I'm guessing is like something like that. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, very interesting. <laughs> Charlotte says, "Can we get to Foley back?" I wish, but I don't think oh. they're giving up to Foley. He's been their best, like their best forward this season. Oh, he's, he's their, their MVP player. and he has their highest percentage of of points and goals. And you know what? If you go through to Foley's, like he's almost always a leading scorer on whatever team he's on. He's just got He's that fantastic like, player. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so we want they, they want us to talk about Samad Montabo, which I think is very fair. Hundred um, percent. Was it Trizak? Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the and he says don't trade Allen during this conversation. This is a challenge oh, for you, Mark. <laughs> I thought it was. Oh, <laughs> don't trade. I thought it was don't mention. Okay, well. Yeah, I won't trade him because he's injured, and once he's not injured, <laughs> but okay. So don't. in total, <laughs> um, he faced seventeen high danger chances. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think it's kind of easy to forget how good he was just because the second period was fun. But um, Samuel Montabo slowly but surely convincing me that more goalies should get a little bit more developmental runway. Um, you know, I, I always question his game and his consistency. And I think obviously he got shelled last game. That was just a poor effort, all in all. But I think he has shown great consistency this year. Much better lateral movement. Um, reflexes oh, aren't yeah. par so like, I, like overall he's tracking the puck quite well at the start of the season you could tell some pucks were whipping over him and he wasn't seeing them um but uh yeah absolutely samuel Montabo has been their best value player 
the entire year. Don't forget. Yep. $1 million here. So. Yep. hundred percent. Well, I mean, I guess you could say Cole Caulfield, but uh, yeah, Montembeau has just been, he's been money, frankly, even like last game against the Panthers, they scored five on him and he still had almost a full goal saved above expected. Which tells you how bad defensively the Canadians were. Yeah, I remember, were. yeah, thinking of the recap, like, you know, they got blown out of the water and their goalie was their, yeah, best player. That's always, um, but, but, so does this change your opinion of him long-term, Andrew, what you've seen from Samuel Montabo this year? Because I think a lot like me, you were thinking he was a, a stopgap measure, more of a band-aid solution. I know Ken Hughes has changed his mind about that. Have you changed your mind about that? I, I keep asking people that, and I, I think the sample size is still relatively small, but... Yeah. What I will say about Sam Montembeau is last season, I thought he was a guy who was just there to stick in games and wasn't a plan, like part of the plan going forward. And they kind of gave him this contract as a thank you for playing through an injury last year so that they didn't have to fry Caden Primo. Right yeah. now, I think Sam Montembeau has more of a future in the organization than Caden Primo does. I oh, think come, undoubtedly. Is, but, yeah. but I think there, then him doing good at 26 kind of gives the argument that maybe you don't give up on Primo, you know? Maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, that's true too. But I, Primo, I think the main uh, thing for uh, me with Montembeau years is, ago was doing exactly what Primo was doing. Yeah, yeah. And Primo does have a, a good history of success. I mean, yeah. look, he had those two great years in the NCAA. He struggled mm-hmm. at times in the American Hockey League, but he had a fire playoffs last year right yeah so we've seen the best and worst of him in the last year but uh, Montembeau like my opinion has changed in so far as like I think he's an NHL goalie and should have a good long career yeah last year I wasn't sure absolutely and that allows them to no okay (laughs) it allows them to pursue some movement upon the market where people barter things (laughs) towards each other but no no it's been fantastic and I think also um, it's just a great story, right? Because when's the last time there was a, a, a who was the last, Mathieu Garon was the last like Quebecois goalie to to do pretty good for the Habs? You know, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So, um, oh, I, I, there's got to be someone since Garon, Thibaut Garon, Fisset. <laughs> Technically, Cristobal Huet, French, he's not, not Quebecois. He's not Quebec, French. he's Francophone, but yeah. <laughs> We're, we count him, we count him. He's, that's, he's in. Um, like but the, yeah, the, it's been Cedric Desjardins. Came in for a couple games. Yeah, and he was mostly an AHL goalie. So it's been a really yeah. long time. As someone that grew up watching Patrick Roy, you know, there's, there's always that kind of aura around Quebec goalies, and it's just fun to see uh, one. You know, I'm not, I don't want to drag language in it, but there is a point of pride to see a uh, Quebec-born goalie, you know, play well for the Habs. That's the way it should be. Yeah, somebody's in the chat making, I believe, a fake trade with Toronto. Oh, yeah? What is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, you tell me, and I'll... I'll uh, all I've you. seen is first-round pick, Hunt... Fourth round pick, Sandine Robertson, and fifty percent salary retained for I don't know who, but oh, Trizak's telling this is Mike Blizzard and Trizak's telling him go take a nap. I'm I'm gonna say it's fake. I don't think the Leafs are gonna make a panic trade <laughs> right after a game like that. Oh yeah, Montreal uh, MUFC says Cedric is from New Brunswick, despite the name. Yeah, he's Acadian. I forgot about that. Just like Arnacayen. Yep. Oh yeah, Magdani. Yeah, there you go. Cam's coming in with his Magdani. Yeah, played for. But anyways, just let's get away from show. remember some guys, and uh, we'll talk about the game. <laughs> well, yeah, and right now though, one thing that a lot of people have been been talking about throughout the whole game, and obviously Tankovsky's bringing it up, Rafael Arvi Pinar. I, I I was really disappointed by his start in the AHL, but this is a guy that even throughout the no points, he was playing the exact same game. Like he kind of got robbed by the hockey gods a little bit in Laval. Um, and getting a lot of attention. So it's just so good to see 
him do well because he's actually just a genuinely nice guy. He's got that personality that just bubbles over. There's one huge drawback. He likes white gravy on his poutine, like, um, you know, like Alfredo sauce, which I think is a sin. But other than that, Raphael Hervé Pinal, what a, what, a, what a great story. And, and I think he has an opportunity to kind of become that energy guy next year if he has a successful audition. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got a lot of runway here to prove himself. Him him, and Yulinen, uh I mean, Belzeal's in a different situation, but young guys on the Laval Rocket who are pushing their way into the NHL. But Justin Barron, who, again, I thought was really solid tonight. He's been uh, really good since the call. Hey, by the way, I checked his numbers recently. His numbers were good, too. Um, yeah, I mean, he... he Edmondson has started to turn the corner a little bit, I think. Like, just in terms of his decision-making, he still chases the play a little bit too much for me in the defensive zone. But as Edmondson's gotten better, obviously it's a little bit easier for for Mm -hmm. Barron. But, like, Edmondson had a really great game tonight. I thought him, he really handled Matthews well a a couple of times. But, yeah, Barron has been strong. And, you know, his ability on the power play, his passing ability has really shown up. The last oh, his breakouts, games. his absolutely fantastic yeah, breakouts. Think... And even shout out to, uh, to Saval had a couple of nice breakouts tonight as well, which is what the Habs have lacked all season, right, Andrew? When... Like we talk about offense, but it, it starts in the back end. It does. And when the Canadians put David Savar out there in three on three, on three I was like, what <laughs> the hell are you thinking? I was Why? hoping for a, a Savardian slash Savardian spinorama. That's what, you know, the like the slow mo. Yeah. <laughs> His slow mo spinorama that always works. Nobody but then can all of a sudden yeah. he makes that incisive pass to Hoffman who finds yeah. Pitlick and it's over. So kudos to Marty St. Louis for making that call. And I feel like Savard is actually, he was involved in another three on three goal earlier this season where I was like, what the hell is this guy doing on the ice? So clearly Whenever you knows a little bit more than I do. David Saval, he comes back, you know, he comes back really, really strong. Um, also, we need to talk internet user, generic internet user 46. How about that Rem Pitlick? I, I was kind of disappointed how long they kept Pitlick in the AHL. I understand what was happening, but when you have a guy that's well over a point per game and you say you're going down because we need to make space, but you have to play well and then he plays well. You know, you can't keep him drowning, uh, you know, or not drowning, but just stuck in the AHL. So uh, two goals in two games, he's playing well. And how cool is it for him that he went at one point from the second line, Laval, not for long, to the top line of Montreal. You know, it goes to show how chaotic this season has been. But I I like what I'm seeing from Pitlick. And I don't want to jump into my trade thing, but if a team's going to take a bite at like some depth, you know, a depth player just to toss on a roster, it, it would be a guy like Rem Pitlick. Yeah, I honestly saw his extended trip down to Laval as like a favor to him. You know, he went. Hey, down oh yeah, there big time. And Laval started to turn around their season, right? Yeah. So like, he hey, Laval's actually... back in a playoff push. Like, and they yeah, were bad. like, yeah, they've been legit good lately after a brutal start to the season, which yeah. understandable. There was so much turnover there without Baron, without Rafael Arvipinal. I mean, Anthony Richel's back there, but yeah, they're missing a lot of key players as well. Yeah, and and they also lost to Baudin recently too, who was yeah, Nicolas Baudin was playing so well. Yeah, we have not talked enough about yeah. how much of a larceny that trade was for the Canadians again oh, with Chicago. Great like, reclamation project, and and it's a shame because they lost them for the Spengler Cup too, which obviously you let them go, but um, he was going to be the next guy up if ever a defenseman got injured. Even you could have argued at one point that he deserved it more than Justin Barron, but. There's always an organizational hierarchy to, uh, yeah. Trizak just caught me on the trade there. It just caught up on on the feed. Yes, that's it. That's my last trade tonight. No more trades. 
unless if you could get a second, no, 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 no more trades for tonight. Well, I mean, we can always talk trades, but I feel like a guy like Pitt, like, you know, he doesn't really necessarily have a future with this team just based on no. like the play style that he has and where he fits in the lineup. Just, I don't think he can be a fourth liner and be successful. Just his, his numbers plays, were awful this year on the, they were, line, like, they were awful. So like, I'm really happy for him right now. And part of that is like, he can possibly get another opportunity in the NHL where he can stick longer. Right. So that's. You know, it sucks to say, like, oh, this guy's playing great, so let's trade him. But that's kind of where the Canadians are right now that's outside of their Where the harsh players. reality of business 100%. kicks in, absolutely. And, and yeah. people will say he was on waivers. That means no one. No, that's not true because at different times, there's different cap. You know, there's different roster structure. So just that he went through waivers at one point, fairly irrelevant at this point, especially if he keeps producing, man. Like, that could be a nice little byproduct of all these injuries is maybe kind of, you know, boosting the the value of some of these guys they've been trying to trade all year long yeah and we should say by the way for those asking about Raphael Harvey Pinard uh Martin St. Louis said that Raphael Harvey Pinard has National Hockey League habits so yeah. that's it's yeah. a big compliment I think for for a young player from Marty St. Louis and I probably and he knows a thing or two about being undersized in the NHL you know like... yeah and I probably shouldn't say this but I was talking to somebody who works for the Maple Leafs I guess it was no, it was a, it was about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, and they were asking like, when are the Canadians gonna call up Harvey Pinard? And I was like, oh, do you think he's like uh, he should be in the NHL right now? And he was like, well, he probably should be, but also he's really annoying when, <laughs> when they play the Marlies, oh, and of God. course he gets called up against the Leafs and scores. And, and it's funny because everyone always said uh, you know it was uh, Lavalliger, kind of comparing him to Gallagher. Gallagher isn't as annoying as Raphael Harvey Pinard is, and you know when you have. Harvey Pinard and Anthony Richard and Xavier Simoneau on the same team. Now that is, Laval has always been difficult to play against, even in the Joël Bouchard days. But yeah, guys like that absolutely drive you nuts because they have the talent to make you pay for it. You know, it's, it's obviously I'm not comparing them to Brad Marchand, but what makes Brad Marchand so effective as a villain is that he, he pisses you off and then he scores, right? Yep. So, you know, Ravel Harvey Pinard was doing that in, in the AHL. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like if you want a guy give an honest effort every single game, that's what you're going to get from Harvey Pinard. And uh, that's what the Canadians are looking for right now. So yeah, great story and, and genuinely a good person. So that always makes me happy. hundred percent. And Frankly, it's just fun to see the young kids get a chance, right? I think that's yeah. one of the things about these doomed seasons that, that always keeps people engaged a little bit. And I was mm -hmm. a little bit disappointed to start the game that uh, it was Josh Anderson and Rem Pitlick with Nick, Nick Suzuki. And frankly, it worked out well. Uh, but I wanted to see like Yulinen and Harvey Pinard up there. But obviously the Laval line put together worked really well. So it, it's one of those things. Yes, I'm second guessing St. Louis a little bit and obviously was wrong. Yeah. But just I would like to see Suzuki energized by those young players a little bit on games where, you know, Josh Anderson isn't a friggin' machine like he is against Toronto. Man, he oh, hates that's the funny. Leafs. He hates the Leafs. Like, it's yeah. hilarious now, how much he hates them. We also had, uh, actually, I think, I, is that Rob Suzuki? Is that, that might be Nick's father in the chat do. right now. Um, and what, what I was going about to say, speaking of which, is, Look at the time and space created by Nick Suzuki. Now that you, when you're looking at a guy who's going to get all the attention, and, and he will going forward, but he's got that anticipation and just the overall skill level to turn that attention. You know, he drew in two defenders constantly and create open space for, for a guy like Josh Anderson. And I don't want to take anything away from Anderson, 
But I mean, he set that up on a perfect, you know, on a, a golden, a silver platter for him by drawing that attention. And they're going to keep getting, he's going to keep getting double teamed, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Unfortunately, he has the anticipation and that that's really his key thing. Obviously, his, his best tool is right here, um, you know, that he can anticipate the play and make it make life easier on his teammates, just like we saw tonight. 100%. And he started that play way back in the defensive zone by uh, pulling yeah. the puck off the wall and making a sneaky little move to the middle. Suzuki played mm. over 25 minutes tonight, 25-39. I don't know if that's the high mark of the season. I know the high mark was 25-something before this. but Yeah, it was 25-something. Again, just crazy amounts of pressure that's put on Suzuki, both from himself and from the coaching staff. And he just continues to excel. He's just such a great player. There's like really nothing bad to say about the kid. I, I just have so much respect for the way he approaches the game well, and the way he thinks the game. And I think we also have to, we were kind of forgot, but he was named the youngest captain in franchise history. The amount yep. of pressure in a down year. I feel like not only in terms of adversity, you lose essentially half, half your lineup. Um, you know, there's always trade talk constantly. There was even that uh, Pierre Gervais whole, whole drama going on there too. So I, I feel like he's navigated like the choppy waters of a of being a Canadian's captain quite well. Um, he has. Yeah, just because he's facing the music and he's taking it on his own back to a certain extent, though, you know, and, and I remember he was one of the first to say, like, I'm not happy with the power play. You know, we, we need to be better. And that's the kind of thing you want to see. You know, you can't complain about losing, but you can you can obviously push the team to be better in certain areas. And that's what Suzuki's done. Yeah. And I should uh, th throw out a shout out here. Sebastian Jackson, who everyone should love and follow on Twitter. Uh, is in the chat and he's chatting with uh, Rob Suzuki there. Rob's asking him to come over to the Rouge side and Sebastian says, Leafs first round exit and I'm buying a Habs jersey the following morning. Oof. Yeah, so, is it going to be? We're Don't holding into that. Get a Gilmore Habs jersey though. That's what I'd love to see. You know, <laughs> with the Gilmore nameplate, you know, Montreal Canadiens legend, Doug Gilmore. There you go. Slam the penalty box door. I saw that gift went up uh, a few times when the Canadians announced Cole Caulfield was out for the season, which, again, I feel like we're going to have uh, Harnish from Game Over Toronto's in the chat, too, saying, hoping you're enjoying the win. We oh, are. God, yeah. Thanks, Harnish. This is, Sorry, this, this guys. is Montreal Stanley Cup tonight, and, and that's fine. They're going to celebrate it that way. Habs fans just want to see an honest effort, unless it's against the Leafs, and then they just want to, you know, like they want to see pain. That's <laughs> pretty much, yes. We want to see <laughs> Leafs the fan pain. And there were a lot of Leafs fans in Toronto, uh, in Montreal tonight. So they always travel well at some of the best games. Um, yeah, it's fun to see a game with just the type of intense intensity you'd see in a regular, you know, if they're fighting for the playoffs type of matchup. So, um, you know, I think the big worry for the Canadians right now is do we, are we giving good value for our product? And if the efforts continue like tonight, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all you can hope for. Yeah, 100%. And... You know, obviously, there's going to be some times here with, with Cole Caulfield. I think my main concern, aside from the fact that they're going to have trouble sc scoring throughout the rest of the season, is without that infectious energy that Cole Caulfield yeah. has, is being able to like get up for games constantly. The, I mean, the having the golden retriever like get you out of bed on Sunday morning there because that's exactly. what Cole Caulfield is. He's the, he's the like the excitable puppy, yeah. And saying we made a point of that as well. But when you have guys like Rafael Arbipinard, um, he's always happy, bubbly, excited. Like he's genuinely very happy to do what he does. He understands that he's lucky. Took a lot of work, but you know, there's privilege there too. So yeah, I think Rafael Arbipinal can kind of kick some of that in. And and same thing with Alex Bezil, you know, a high energy, but just a smart, 
stoic person. Uh, he, he, he doesn't laugh a lot on the bench or in front of the cameras, but with his teammates in the locker room, very, very fun. So you can just throw them into the lineup. It's not going to give you the Caulfield excitement, but, you know, you get what you get right now when you consider there's two more guys left to come up from Laval. Um, Energy-wise, they should be okay. Yeah, I know. And Scott was mentioning that earlier. That it was too bad that they don't have many more, like, young guys left on Laval to come up. I mean, I think Richard will probably get another call up at some point. To, but don't forget, to Richard, get a better chance. If in three more games, he has to go back on waivers, right? So if yeah. you bring him up right now, um, Drouin, Gallagher, and Monaghan are going to be coming back fairly soon. You're going to probably lose him on waivers. Yeah. So maybe what it might happen or what might happen is either he gets called up and stays up for the rest of the season after the trade deadline or something like that. So yeah, like they can do like the paper. Most likely trade deadline for sure. And yeah. then he goes back down to Laval for the playoffs. If they make it, if they make or it. they get into a situation where they need a, an emergency recall and then he gets brought up and then he doesn't have to be exposed to waivers. So yeah, one absolutely. of those two situations would be the most likely for, uh, for Richard to get. Yeah, and they have here. a couple other guys. Actually, Noel as white Alan Walsh blocked me. I was probably being a jerk. I think it was actually during the lockout. And I, I believe I might have accused him of propaganda. So <laughs> whenever anyone says anything bad about me, or it's it's 100% my fault. Like, I, I'll take that on the chin. Um, Mitchell Stevens is available in Laval. We have end of list. No, no, no. I, I just wrote about this. There's two other guys. Um, There's Norlander. No, but defense. in terms of, like, forwards, you have... Oh, four, um, forwards. Mitchell Stevens. Oh, um Kandada, Lucas Kandada, he's he could come up and Nate Schnarr. Those are that's literally it. Now, someone mentioned earlier in the chat, could we see some OHL guys? Yeah, absolutely. The Canadians can call up a player from the OHL on an emergency basis. Now, the OHL team has to approve it, and that's kind of like you know, for guys maybe like Meshar, I, I I would understand he's not he's struggling right now, but I don't think um Peterborough is going to let. Owen Beck go and I really don't think that uh, you know you're going to see any of the other top prospects because these these teams like Joshua they need him Sherbrooke needs him Getsno just paid a ton for Riley Kidney so why would you you know give up your your prize acquisition it's a tough situation because then you have to tell the kid no NHL but uh, I don't think it's going to happen at this point yeah I there's also what about Xavier Simino? He's not signed to an NHL contract right now. So, okay, you so they have could. to sign him. The Habs have 46 contracts. So you'd be, the thing is, I have a feeling, and I'm, this is, I'm really speculating, but Hughes has kept the contracts at a minimum. He's kept himself a three or four contract, you know, spacer. And I think he's going to take advantage of that. Maybe take some warm bodies back at the deadline, uh, maybe some cab space. So yeah, that's uh, right now they could sign him. I just don't think they would. Yeah. I keep on hearing they don't want to retain the salary as much as they can, which to me says, they're looking to bring guys back in, in, in trades. Oh, Teasdale! Sorry, to, like, weaponize that. Uh, yeah, that cap space. Yeah, no, exactly. And right now, it's going to be the top commodity. So, <laughs> Sebastian Jackson says, "Guys, save Meshar from Kitchener." Didn't they load up though? They're going for it. I feel like they, they did. Really well, they, they they brought in Arcuri and another like one of the top players in the OHL. And but yeah, Meshar has one point since coming out from the World Juniors. Which is it's just a shame because he played so well for the, uh, the World Juniors, like that physical brand of hockey. And people were saying, if he brings that back to Kitchener, you know, it'll, it'll do great. But again, 18 years old, first time in, in a different country for the entire year. There's always a, you can always, they have to acclimatize. So, you know, we're going to give him a little bit of a break. And unfortunately, there's guys like 
Hudson and Sean Farrell that are taking some of that pressure away from, you know, uh, Philippe Michel having to be dominant. But yeah, it's been it's been weird. I've only watched a few games in Kitchener and there's something off about um, his pacing and, and and his anticipation. He's usually a little bit better than that. So he'll, uh, you know, 20 what? He's at 24 points in 20 games. It's OK, but you probably expect a bit better. Yeah, I think yeah, 24 and 24, which is it's fine. But yeah. it's not uh it's not dominant but i mean he was pretty dominant it's not first line dominant yeah yeah so interesting but uh i don't think he's uh he's going anywhere at this stage but um i'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to mention from this game obviously well, how about like, that ot goal someone just yeah yeah the, the, yeah the i mean actual... we, we talked about it but yeah it was fantastic like, what a snipe from red pitlick red freaking pitlick him and Anderson are just on heaters right now, and it's good to see from both of them. But oh, we, Nick Suzuki's mentioned Red Pitlick on heaters. What a coincidence! <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, right? I don't know. But how we mentioned uh, Pitlick before about like how long he's been in the AHL and came back. It's just it's a nice story to see a guy yes. who was struggling so much at the beginning of the year catch on now and have a nice little stretch of scoring here. And when you mentioned earlier that the he one of the reasons I don't think he necessarily deserved to stay in the HL that long is that he the reasons they left him there is because he is that guy that will you know just take it on the chin and not complain about it but you can't leave them toiling too too long right because that patience runs out so yeah no great to see Rem Pitlick uh up there you know um one of the top four Pitlicks to ever play in the NHL so <laughs> no no one of the top two Pitlicks to ever play for Montreal yes absolutely did Lance no Lance never played for uh... Tyler did last year you know, it was funny because I was doing a, at one point when I was with the Canadians and there was Tyler, Rhett and Rem. So I called Lance Pitlick and um, I was telling him when we used to play at the Civic Center, which is such a small arena, like, well, like it's about Coyotes small. It's a little bit bigger there. But uh, and we throw nibs on the ice because the Ottawa Senators played in a junior arena the entire first and second year. And he remembered that, that people were throwing like, <laughs> you know, nibs or what do you call them? Those uh, those little red candies. Yeah. So he remembered that, which was pretty impressive. I mean, I guess it's uh, hard to forget people throwing licorice at you. <laughs> okay, and I was very young as well. We were playing mini sticks. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, like, how do you stop Hoffman from passing on the power play? I, okay, listen, the power play has been a mess since the start. I, I think these guys right now just need to trust their instincts. And, and for some reason, Hoffman's instinct is saying pass. But we saw tonight that shot that hit um, Samsonov in the collarbone. I mean, that's usually a goal. I, I, I like what I've seen from Mike Hoffman this year and his you know inconsistent usage being benched probably when he shouldn't be he's been pretty good and statistically speaking his underlying numbers are far and away the best on the montreal canadians like and i know people are gonna roll their eyes there but there's something to be said about a team who's like bottom three and everything and then mike hoffman's hovering like 55 percent at everything and that's i mean that's a feather in his cap and frankly, Mike Hoffman's also on a three-game point streak, so I'm I'm just not going to criticize Mike Hoffman right now. Yeah. He's he's playing good hockey on a team that needs some guys in the lower end of the lineup to play good hockey. Hopefully, the Montreal Canadiens can get something for him either this year or next year. I think it'll be next year, but either way, uh, I think the time where Hoffman was a like legitimate issue for the team has has passed for this year. He's mm -hmm. uh, recovered from that. So, again, one of those situations where Marty St. Louis is very patient with the player, put him in good situations, and, and it turned out well. And we're seeing the same kind of thing with uh, Dodonov now. We saw it with Yoel Armia. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's let's move on from the Habs a little bit because I talked. we were going to mention the SB Nation stuff. And for those uh, who yes, don't Eisen know. Prize, yeah. Yeah. So SB Nation, uh, subsidiary of Vox Media, 
had team blogs for every major sport essentially for like mm-hmm. every team in the NHL and mm-hmm. they announced yesterday or the day before uh that they were cutting all but six hockey blogs just demonetizing them entirely stopping paying their staff now this is a site that for most of its history basically paid the manager of each site a pittance to manage everything (laughs) and the expectation was basically run a professional coverage site with a fan-based opinion Mm -hmm. for each team they're expecting multiple articles a day covering every aspect yeah absolutely and full editorial you know it wasn't just a blog yeah 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 it wasn't like you could just throw something up and have spelling mistakes you had to have full editing teams all that stuff for a long time they were doing that with almost zero payment to the people in charge. Just, I think in 2019, they started having to pay employees due to like some class action issues and due to, you know, labor laws. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was most expensive in California where the labor laws are extremely strong. Yeah. They had to and also Vox organized a union. Well, no, sorry. The employees also organized a union, which is always a great idea. So they yeah, had to start although, paying yeah that union only really covered people on like the national side, right? Like yeah. even the managers of individual sites were contract workers. Writers were all technically freelance. So even people like our beloved Scott Matla, who's worked for eyes on the prize for geez, almost a decade now was not making like a ton of money for writing columns, right? It, it was just a little bit of cash on the side mm-hmm. to continue it, pursuing. It was a dream. reward for the passion they put in. Cause it was always been a passion project. That's like a hundred percent. And when I heard that there was like six blogs that were going to be left, I was like, Oh, okay. Eyes on the prize is fine. Cause it's the biggest one. Not even, it's uh, not even close. Like we're not talking in the same stratosphere. Yeah. There's eyes on the prize. And then you have a couple other, like the Rangers blog is pretty big. Philly too. Um, Pennsburg is pretty big as well, but Eyes in the prize will bring in, you know, upwards of 10 million hits a year, you know? So it, by far and away, it's their biggest blog. And not just that, like it matched some of the, like Bloody Elbow is one of their other blogs, which is MMA with uh, Ariel Halwani, who's, you know, famous Montreal host. It, it would match that blog on certain days just to show you, because the NHL would never come close to that, right? In terms of popularity. No, I mean, but and for yeah. those who don't know, like Mark and I both got our starts in sports media at Eyes in the prize. Yeah. Uh, I was the manager there, brought in Mark uh, initially as a contributor, and then very quickly he became co-manager with me. So together, Mark and I brought that site when we went there from 82,000 page views a month when I first started to 1.3 to 1.5 million every Mm -hmm. month. It was an incredible run where we brought in amazingly talented people, including Ark Parnas, who's a Stanley Cup champion, uh, he was there before me, wrote there with us, uh, Bruce Peter, who works for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Hahn, Han. who worked yep. for the Maple Leafs, you know, Chris, brought... uh, the goalie who plays, he works for the Rangers, I believe at this point. Yep. Yep. There's, there's tons of people who went through that site who ended up mm-hmm. getting NHL jobs or yeah. full-time media jobs. At one point, I think you were the only one not working for an NHL team and you were working for Sportsnet, you know, like that, yes. that was like, you know, as of the alums. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff Bovere says, "What what is Vox? Vox is it's just a media company. Yeah, they out. own SB Nation. Okay, and what happened with SB Nation is they they let go almost everybody. But what we're getting to is here's the amount of work we put into it, Andrew. And I know people are like, oh, you guys didn't work twelve hours a day. That's probably an under underestimate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we rarely had time off, and obviously we worked that hard for so little because it was the only way to carve a, a career, right? In, in NHL." 
especially for you know us that we don't have our master's degrees or anything so teams aren't lining up so um vox made a lot of money during the five years that it was you and i and probably to the point that it was their most profitable blog i'm assuming just just because your roi is so high because you're not actually investing anything yeah 100 um, like when when i left the the actual budget for the blog per month between the two of us was only a thousand dollars and that was for 1.5 million hits a month yeah. right we were by far the top hockey blog mm-hmm. we were if you compared us against baseball we were in the top three against basketball i believe we were bigger than all but i think the celtics blog and in football we were top five like that's right. how big eyes on the prize was and continued to be when either even when mark and i moved on and, and justin blades and jared book justin did a great job over. well and also there's scott and jared yeah exactly there's some and matt that are you know Legacy, yeah, Matt yeah. Drake, who, who's done amazing work, and you've got Namiko, who's been there for forever. Mm-hmm. So many talented people went through there, and this is just one of their websites of 32. And all and- these people who've made names for themselves and had this launching pad towards real jobs that pay money, now that's all taken away. It's honestly a disgrace, and Vox is a disgusting They should be company. ashamed of themselves. Um, they should be. And, and the bigger thing here is I remember when I was building a, a women's hockey division and trying to find European prospects, bringing guys like Mitch Brown, who's you know obviously at elite prospects right now. We, we brought in a lot of smart people because there weren't opportunities. It wasn't necessarily, yeah, we, we were a fun blog and we we're inclusive, um, but it's because it gave opportunities to people that would have never had those opportunities beforehand and to the point that just because we weren't at the, in the press boxes people were saying oh it's just a blog but that forced everyone to think outside of the box you didn't rely on quotes you had to get higher high level analysis out there and um it's just a shame that a lot of people that won't traditionally be offered the same kind of privilege as, as let's say i was later in my hockey career won't have that opportunity to you know crack into uh to, to the market because it's funny you say, oh yeah, just become a writer. Well, it's, it's tough to get noticed, right? And Habs Eyes on the Price had that readership, but also offered opportunities. So um, yeah, I, like it's, it, I'm sure that they're going to survive. They're going to keep going, and because it's such a strong structure, it's not SB Nation that powered that. It's the hard no. work from the entire team. But uh, yeah, just unfortunate that they cashed in for. How much did that SEO specialist tell us that they were bringing in? Like 70000 a month on our backs back in the day? Or what, 40, 50? Either way, they made a lot of money off our backs. And uh, now that they offered salary, they're they're cutting it. It's, 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 it's disgusting behavior, but it's unfortunately so common nowadays. Um, you know, especially the thing about sending emails to... to, to like that, I, I, I'll say this. If you employ someone at this point, it's absolutely normal that you're going to have zoom calls and whatnot um but don't be sending out emails don't make people sit there and wait you know what i mean like that is disgusting behavior the athletic did that too actually that's how they got they laid off a third of their employees they said some of you are getting laid off wait for an email at five and that was at like 10 in the morning so don't do that don't do that if you're going to destroy someone's year don't make them wait you know on the uh the walking board there to make them uh, take the plunge into the ocean yeah uh, Noel says it feels like everything good is just crumbling under the tyranny of billionaires. Yep, it's uh, it's getting close to light the torches time, folks. Get your pitchforks. We're going up the hill Ding. to the house with the gate. 
But, yeah, but, uh, but hey, the great, the great part, no, my rule is if you own a boat to get to your other boat, you're the first person I'm going after. If you have a, like a, a transport boat for your boat, that's, that's an issue. But uh, what I'm hoping here is that a lot of these people, like, for example, you're losing um, uh, Ice Garden, which is one of the better women's hockey's blog, and you're losing um, out sports. You're losing a lot of really good blogs. Hopefully what they realize is that the, you know, SB Nation wasn't, was holding them all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were holding SB Nation's coverage together. So hopefully they transition elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway here is that all that talent isn't suddenly disappearing. The outlet might be gone, but there will be other outlets. And like, frankly, if I didn't have this right now, I'd be making a site right now and yeah. for to to replace Eyes on the Prize. I don't know what I'd call it, but uh, the fact is, those people who have cre- who have helped to create and continue to nurture one of the most impressive websites for Canadians coverage ever. And yeah. the fact is like Mark kind of alluded to it earlier. I would go even stronger than what Mark said. And I would say that eyes on the prize drastically changed the way Canadians coverage happened. There are many journalists who cover the Canadians and the have started much doing what we were doing. Yeah. Yes. Who do it like they wouldn't put lines out. The Habs didn't have. put lines out. They didn't cover development camp. And this is, we saw all these market inefficiencies, these little niche areas where we jumped in. I remember, Andrew, you went to one of the first dev camps that ever had coverage as a fan. And you ended up, that was like almost your break into, you know, journalism because the Habs didn't even bother sending someone to write about it. So yeah, yeah no it, one was it, there. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I, that was actually how I started uh, getting to know Justin Bourne was I was tweeting about, I forget who it was, but one of the, Canadians players just like kept on messing up drills over and over again. And I guess he saw that tweet and he was like the drill wrecker. And I was like, is this a thing? And he was like, Oh yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a thing. Every team has one yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you remember when like uh, P.A. Paranto would be sending us messages? Cause we were yep. like, he, basically there was players contacting us saying like, Hey, we want this to get out. Can you, you guys are the ones that are kind of going counter culture and holding them accountable. So you know, so we're getting stories about Michel Terrier and all that. So, but anyways, we don't want to talk about too much of the, you know, the bad stuff. What I do want to say, though, is for, and yeah, mentioned, good mention here. They're, they do have a Patreon going on right now. So that's great. Uh, back of wind mentions. But again, the, the biggest shame here is not, not necessarily how they did it, but it's just the opportunities that are lost for people that won't get that easy opportunity elsewhere, you know without having the benefit of being in a privileged situation wealth-wise to pay for university or having all those connections or having your daddy that, you know, works in hockey. So it's just one of the few outlets for new talent. And that's really what's disappointing to me because we saw how many of those people that we brought in that ended up flourishing, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't manager work or anything like that. It was just because they finally got the opportunity. So that's, that's the most unfortunate part. It is true. And I remember getting into an argument back in the day with uh, Steve Feggy from the Montreal Gazette, because he was talking about uh, one one of the rounds that we were trying to like hire people. He was like, "Yeah, to work for no money and like fair criticism, sure." But who's the last person the Montreal Canadian or the Montreal Gazette hired for Canadian coverage? Stu Cowan, right, right. And Stu Cowan was working there before as an editor. Like, oh yeah, they've added. Um, well, actually, it would be Christopher Curtis before before you know who, who was like bullied out of it. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. By well, it's too because he when I when I got my job covering and he's like, Martin, you're gonna get." And we had the same kind of the you know what's his name from RDS that just chewed us out in front of people and tried to get really mean with us. You know, uh, we had the exact same stories about the same people. But um, all, all this to say is that yeah, the traditional media right now 
let's be perfectly honest, there are no no chances. And even what was funny about that is I don't believe the Gazette's intern was getting paid either at that time, right? So it was, uh, yeah. I understand how people look down at blogs, but right now I see no difference between a blog and a traditional newspaper, except for the fact that a newspaper used to get printed. Because at this point, it's all going on the internet, right? Yeah, I mean, there's more infrastructure available at a paper for the most part, uh, yeah. but that that's pretty much it. And, you know, I'm not trying to bite the hand that feeds because I do the HIO show every week, but like, there's just not enough opportunities yeah. to start out in traditional media that's what blogs have become as a training ground and blogs that actually pay are so rare and the fact that SB Nation was that for a couple of years and then cut that out from under people it just sucks it, it really sucks and yes. I I really hope that the EOTP crew stick together on this new Patreon that they've opened maybe it'll stay there maybe it'll end up on Substack who knows but I hope all those people make a lot of money out of it they deserve if it. you they have an option if you have an opportunity, try to find the people at SB Nation because they're like, it's plug and play quality. I'm telling you right now, and it's driven by passion, which is something that I think fans love. Is that actual passion there? You know, because neutrality is great if you're reporting the news, but it's not entertaining, right? So yeah, they brought in a certain uh, uh, entertainment factor to it. Um, real quick, Trisac because, yeah, says Andrew's going to start Habs looking at championships. Doesn't quite ring as nicely. <laughs> Habs eyes on the eyes on the lottery, <laughs> but um, quick quick thing about Caulfield, uh, I, I don't like criticizing any kind of health issue because I think it's there's so many factors here that we're not aware of, right? Yep. Um, you know, just saying, oh, there's too many injuries, but what what does that mean? How, what's your proof? See, mon travail. However. After last year and this year, I think you can legitimately question just the process without knowing the exact details because I feel like there's been a repetitive um, trend when it comes to players coming back early or players playing through the pain. Now, with the shoulder, I've had reconstructive shoulder surgery, and what they do usually is they say, push it. Like, don't get a surgery until you have to. And a lot of the times, that's just because it's it almost never comes back the same. I know Josh Anderson said his shoulder's stronger. It, it, it's the most complicated joint in the body, right? Because of the rotation. So they often delay, and it's not necessarily a player's choice. Um, they'll say, you know, just play through the pain, plus there was obviously the contract. However, one of the big issues in the NHL is that it is the player's choice at the end of the day, right? Yep. And I mean, it's been an, an issue that's haunted the Canadians. Yeah. Look how many times Price has chosen to come back early or play through injuries, and then yeah. it's reared its ugly head at the worst time. Right. Which, by the way, shout out to career. Nick Suzuki for for being made of like adamantium. That's like... <laughs> the only guy in the world who hasn't had COVID. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. No. We're we're and the Monaghan thing. I understand Calgary, but then you didn't have to play. You know, the next game. Um, yeah. We're looking even, I'm going to go back a little bit. Remember Noah Jolson? Yep. Should never have come back. He got hit in the eye with a puck and they actually brought him back on the ice and got hit at an eye again in the eye again. And it, it essentially I mean, what, derailed his entire career. What are the chances? But also he should not have come back on the ice. I was at that game. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, it was brutal. The first shot that he took, the crack was deafening. And the whole crowd went silent. Yeah. Well, and, and these players are trained to be robot soldiers, right? So if you ever like preventative, there's no preventative. It's all reactionary. And I don't know if you you were checking on uh, Twitter recently. It was Steve Van Gundy, so old co NBA coach, and he was mentioning, you know, more than ever, we have the best systems, we have the best doctors, we know more about the science of the body than ever, 
And yet we're losing more athletes than ever yeah. before. You know, so it, it is like, I don't you know, know if obvious... that's true or if there's more coverage of it. Cause I think of how many guys, like, look at in the 90s and look at their superstars mm -hmm. and how few of them made it to a thousand games. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like there's a lot of guys who the runway was shorter because the game was absolutely wild. Like, you look at that video that went around last week of Lemieux having a sword fight with uh, some bum. Who was trying to, and like, people were like, up. whoa. And I'm like, no, no, that happened almost every game. Like, I remember guys, it just always sticks up and you never see that this day. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there was three fights per game. And yeah, yeah, definitely. But still, I feel like with the Canadians, there's been a lot of repetitive injuries and and which is par for the course, the human body. But and I know Grab rated Ben and I know that he wouldn't do anything. Like he's actually one of the best in the NHL. And, I, and Dr. Mulder, obviously one of the most respected doctors in the world. Um, but I do feel like you have to review the process at that point. And maybe as an employer, doesn't it come down to you? You're the one that's in charge of your employee's safety, right? Like I know they're not working in a factory, but let's say we would take it off ice context. And if a person's too injured to work, you don't force them to go through it. So uh, yeah. you know, well, player, players will always hide it too. That's the other fun part. You can go, you can look at it from like the moral viewpoint of like, you shouldn't be pushing these players past their limits or like allowing them to endanger their themselves by pushing through, or you can even look at it cold business, right? And should you You're be protecting your business asset? Yeah. That, exactly. That's worth millions, millions. Like, that's the whole thing with Carey price so many times like, Oh, well he wants to play. I don't care. He's making 10, $12 million sit until you're yeah. healthy. And yeah. this obviously doesn't go for the playoffs because it's a totally different animal and you're not going to be able to sit that player. But in a, and, in a and, season and, like this, uh, the only one this season that really surprised me was the Matheson one where he came back and, and injured the same thing and had to sit out again. But I feel like that was just like he had sat out so long to start the season that he just wanted to get back in so bad. Yeah. But it's been a consistent pattern with the Montreal Canadiens for at least a decade, maybe longer, of guys coming back too quick and injuring the same thing. I mean, Carey Price over and over again. Like but okay, constant. and now business-wise, however, getting to the playoffs is 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 what Carey Price made. You know, they, he made them about three million dollars per home game, right? Sure, so without yeah. him getting there to the so there is kind of that trade-off. But um, it, it's just you're never gonna have an athlete say, "I'm too hurt to play." Never, never. It's just it's not gonna happen. They, they've been trained to not ever say that or even admit it, right? So I think the decision has to come down to the employer in, in the long run. I know it's a little different than any other workplace, but you know, you have to protect your investment. You have to protect your employees. And, and I, again, I think it's so weird to speculate about health because this just could be a huge string of injuries. That's how the body works. But you know, when you combine it with last year as well, Andrew, it's starting to become a little bit more than just a trend, you know, it's becoming a pattern. Yeah, it is. And, you know, obviously we know there's just not very many bodies left <laughs> for yeah. them to play. So that's also what, an issue. What if Owen Beck ends up making his NHL debut? That would be cool. Actually, you know what? If, if they call up anyone, it's got to be Josh Hoa. But um, yeah, that would be cool to see a, a, an OHL player or a CHL player come in. That, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte uh, LF in the comments mentions that Pacioretty, who was out for most of the season, wow. the torn Achilles, that's smarter than us. Yeah. Now, I, I haven't seen if it's confirmed that he tore his Achilles again, but man, if he did. That's it. Uh, and. There's few things, and I'm I, I know My there's been God. a lot of that's been said about Patchetti, but like I mean he does truly love the game, and, and obviously he's going to force himself to come back. But 
you you almost impossible to come back from two Achilles tears. Like it's just, and you could tell just the way when he fell down on it, it was game over right off the bat, you know? And, 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 but that doesn't mean he came back too soon. There's, there's, there's correlation, not necessarily causation, right? Again, that's the thing with health. We, we never know, but yeah, uh, yeah, it happens a lot. And I think a lot of it's just because we don't let athletes admit when they're hurt, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, it is. There's a culture that has to be changed a little bit for athletes to, to get it to, to a better place. Yeah. Jeff oh, Bobert brings up Andre Markov. Yeah. Okay. What some people he don't remember one. is that Markov missed like what ninety percent of three years. He came back with like bionic yeah. knees, basically, and <laughs> completely changed his game in a lot of respects. And slowed became... down, but his vision like took over at that point. Yeah, he just you know a testament to how smart Andre Markov was. Yeah. Uh, how old is uh, Patrick now? I believe he's thirty three or turning thirty four soon. He's uh, a little bit older than P.K. Subban. They were the same draft year, but he was a little mm-hmm. bit older. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough when, when when that happens to guys. Like Pacioretty also came back, scored right away. He, he had like a league leading seventy percent xg. In and the Hurricanes games. are like that. That's what they needed is a, like a pure finisher on that team, right? Yeah. Jeff yeah, Bovera no. says, yeah, 34. All right. Uh, I think we'll cut it there. Otherwise, we'll talk forever. But uh, obviously. What a fun win, though, eh? What yeah, a it, was fun a fun, Again, it was a great win. Right you know, every once in a while, win. every oh. once in a while, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, this could be the year they make it out of the first round. And then they do something like tonight. And I'm like, no, these guys have the mental fortitude of a grape. Well, no way. <laughs> That's. <laughs> okay. One thing I will say, and I don't know, because we have some f- a few Leafs fans here, is that. I feel like Toronto doesn't always necessarily respect the talent level of their opponents. And I think what, what um, their coach was saying before the game was like, still respect these guys. I, I know that like talent level, there's such a huge discrepancy, but he knew that they were going to come out and work harder than them. And I, I feel like it's the easy ticket to being a Lisa just outwork them. Yeah. They're more talented than you. Absolutely. Like they're more talented than almost every team in the NHL, but I legitimately don't think they ever rise to the challenge if they assume that the, the team in front of them is is the lesser team. And I feel like it's been that while, way for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the problem is, but it just seems like they can't keep intensity at the right moments. And yeah. it's one of those things, maybe they're relying too much on talent. I don't know. But uh, I feel like they're way better under Sheldon Keefe. They just oh, yeah. They could not, use a guy like Joel Edmondson in the back. In the <laughs> oh my god! No, don't even start. I know their whole pro scouting staff was uh, at the game today. So, maybe oh yeah, because they, 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 they stopped putting they stopped putting it on the the scout sheet because there were only four teams and the Leafs uh, were not it. Yeah, one last shout out to Samuel Montambo. I think Samuel Montambo hates Connor Bedard. I think that's what it is deep down inside. Like <laughs> Connor Bedard took like the last donut at, at, at a reception or something, and then he's like. Me and Connor Bedal, there no, we're no longer friends. But it was great to see him play well. Great story, and the Laval kids, man, what a! I'm so happy to see a guy like Alex Bezil back in the NHL. It'd be like it's, I know it's a meritocracy, but man, this guy worked so damn hard to make it to the NHL. So, um, Rafael Arvipinal scoring his first goal in Montreal. It was a fun night, and not just because they beat the Leafs. 100%. All right, everyone, we're going to be back on Tuesday against the Boston Bruins. Oh, yeah, those guys that just don't lose this year. I think that one might not be as fun as this one, <laughs> frankly, but we'll find out. And Rachel Dory is going to come back and Ooh. apologize because when she was on this week, she said, oh, you know, it's going to be tough for the Canadians to get Bedard unless one of Suzuki or Caulfield gets injured for the rest of the year. So, Rachel, thanks. 
Yeah, you did that. I, and I just wrote an article saying, "Is it time to split up Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield?" Because without Do- yeah, and then a bunch of people today were like, "Well, you got your wish," and I was like, "Oh, come on, man! Like, rough, rough." <laughs> all right, we'll we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Shout out to everyone, everyone in the chat for, for joining. Hit Make like sure... and subscribe and all that fun stuff. Yes, please like the video if you're here. Bye, everybody. The show it helps us out. We'll see Bye, you Claire. next uh, next week Bye, on Tuesday. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.